0: Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: Welcome to Girl on the Gov The Podcast,
0: where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating.
1: The show features an interview with an expert in the political field walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more.
0: By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones. And in the language we speak, <laughs> yes, no, we say like a lot. It's
1: kind of the point because <laughs> politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl and the Up the podcast. Um, Samantha, I just would like to raise a point with you because
0: mm.
1: I'm really out here suffering in a really big storm and I just haven't really heard from you. You haven't really ch- checked on me. I mean, there Um, are tornado winds. There are blankets, mm, torrential mm -hmm. downpour, hail, lightning, thunder, flooding, and no check-ins. No check-ins for my partner (laughs) over there.
0: (laughs) Here's the thing. First of all, buttering me up for something here. Second of all. I don't even check the weather in my area. So <laughs> if you think if you think I have any idea what the weather is going on in California. You're crazy. You're out of your mind.
1: Yeah, I wonder too if there's some type of like east coast west or at least California east coast dynamic in play too because especially here like we for the most part have very consistent weather of like nothing really gets too crazy out here and so when it does like that's all we can talk about and we're like obsessed Mm. with it but I'm sure like really literally everywhere else in the country is like used to different types of weather and they're just like okay and
0: (laughs) no like literally I also think that that's just like a northeast mentality you're Mm. like okay great yeah. <laughs> Put on your big girl panties. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. How are you? Are you okay? I'm actually really just grand. Oh, I got, I I've been working really from my bed all day and the lightning thunder hail and blankets of rain has only made me working from bed like this so much sweeter.
0: So first of all, there you go. But more importantly, not to totally disrespect your feelings, how is Biggie and how are Smalls and how's how we're dealing with it? That is what I care about.
1: That's a great question. I'm not with them. Um my mom and and father and Biggie, and then Smalls is with his dog center. They left. They took our van and went on a road trip down to Southern California, which it's also pretty rainy there too but yeah they're just road tripping i think trying to escape rain if possible so they're living it up and then howard is at home and i'm sure he's in the bathtub um scared from the thunder when there is like thunder and our fireworks or something like my sister like won't find him know where he is and he's just like sitting in the bathtub
0: stop it honestly that (laughs) is kind of like smart though because don't they tell you in like earthquakes to get like in spaces like that
1: the doorway for Earthquake.
0: Oh, oh, Fun fact, I actually yeah. was in an earthquake when I was little in Vermont. Mm. I know. Yeah. Real practice. Okay. Well, the earthquake story. stuff for
1: us is like the weather for you guys.
0: Okay, that's fair. That is, oh my God, Wait, real just second. went off. I am not doing that right now. If only people second. saw what it looked like. Mm, Should much I joy. take my
1: be real Do you want to be <laughs> in it? My, my chinsets are just absolutely popping in that one I just took but it's okay because we're being real you know
0: we're so authentic yeah guys we're dealing with some serious pimple issues over here it is it's dire so if you happen to work for a skincare company that can help us out
1: by all means well um and other notes I wanted to talk about well two two stories and I wonder
0: if I have a feeling I know what one of them is
1: Okay. Well, one of them is the nurse's strike in New York City because my very best friend, my sister, my wife, my soulmate. um, Literal
0: wife. Have witnessed.
1: No, she is the love of my life. And she's a nurse at Mount Sinai in New York City and currently participating in the big strikes. Her cute little face got on CNN in the background, and it was just such a proud moment for me to see her really just standing up to the man and... It's it's also just a really big story in the news cycle right now. Thousands of nurses went on strike yesterday in two of New York City's major hospitals after their contract negotiations stalled. Staffing and salaries nearly three years into the coronavirus pandemic. This we've talked about like, you know, teacher shortage and that whole conversation and the nursing conversation around all this is very, very, very similar and has a lot of parallels as far as just pay and the way they're treated and shortages that will come from those lack lack of resources for them. So there's been strikes really across the country. I feel like I know there was one at Stanford last month. Love to see it. And we, we stand with them.
0: Amen to that. Mm-hmm. let's get some raises in this building. Thank you. And, you know, some some solid health care and some solid time off and all of the things, all the things that workers deserve to have, including a safe environment to work.
1: Yes, please. Yes, please.
0: Also, before we get into to this next story, if you want to keep tabs on what's going on very specifically, I recommend following the handle NY Nurses. They're posting all about it on behalf of the New York State Nurses Association. So... Follow, yes. support, support, give them a like, give them a share. Make sure you're helping spread the news and
1: all that good stuff. All that good stuff. The other story I wanted to talk about, which I'm curious, I'm really curious what's on your brain. Okay. Do you want to say what's on your brain? And then I'll say whichever one I have and see if it's. Do you want to do
0: that thing where we both say it at the exact same time and we see if the other person is like thinking the same okay. thing? Okay. okay. I One. like how we're counting down. and We're both out of numbers.
1: Okay. <laughs> Are you counting? One, two, mm-hmm. three. Katie, Katie Porter. Porter. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> look at us. We were just looking. Hey. Two, right, two I didn't even share you on this doc on too. I put a little bit in the document. I didn't share you on it today. Not even for a specific reason, but now I'm glad that I didn't because that was a magical moment that we just shared. I'm
0: glad we had this little magical moment because yesterday, if you guys were listening to top stories, we were talking about the Katie Porter viral moment that happened last week with the book, you know, art of not giving a fuck, and then also the fact that there has been some reporting. Thank you, Geroy staffers, on how she treats her staff and what kind of goes on in house there. So if you want a little bit more of that explainer, to go listen to yesterday's top stories episode. However, I do think it's just so interesting that we were talking about the staging element of that moment and being Mm -hmm. like, hmm, this feels a little more like planned than candid, warranted those moments happen all the time. It's not necessarily like don't do it scenario, but those always warrant a, hmm, what's going to happen? It, does this mean anything? I don't know if I overly looked into it because she does, she's a, she's a girl with a prop, or a woman with a prop, sorry. you know She always has her whiteboard. Mm. She's doing things with the props. So it didn't totally flag to me, but now it makes sense that she announced a Senate run trying to go for Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat in California. Yeah. If you don't know, Katie Porter's currently a California representative in the U.S. House. So, She's mm-hmm. going for, you know, a position that's a two-year term to a position that's a six-year term.
1: Yeah. Yes. I'm glad we're on the same page as far as just connecting the dots here because, yeah, we were talking about yesterday how I how I was saying how I kind of found it a little bit cringy. Just her viral moment where she was reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck on the House Floor while the whole Kevin McCarthy debacle was happening and while most people like ate it up like which i'm glad like it was a funny moment it it was funny of them to do that but there was just something for me personally i was like i just know that this was such like a, a planned staged photo op that again worked in her favor she definitely went viral for it it was pretty funny i laughed when i first saw it but then when i sat with it a little bit longer i was like I just don't like how staged it feels. But yeah, now knowing that her move today was gonna be announcing a run for Senate makes 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 sense. It just makes sense. So mm, you no,
0: know, I, I thought know. just I, I don't know why this comparison and maybe it's a really unfair one that's coming to mind is remember like Pelosi and the page ripping or the speech ripping moment? Mm-hmm. And it was just so iconic and yes. so Yes. Like off the cut, like you just knew Nancy was like, oh, fuck you, and just did it. Yes. That was such a great, and like that will, that picture will be in history Mm books. It will be a continually talked about moment in history and time. Yeah. And I feel like this was a moment in which she was trying to be in that, in that realm. Yes, because like when there's coverage in reflection of this chaotic start to Congress, that that will be an image used. And I hey, all the power to her if that is and that is the image that captures the dynamic. I don't hate it. I really don't. I. It's interesting that I feel like you hate this so much more than I do. And I don't,
1: don't know why I don't even hate it. I I really did like laugh when I first saw it. It was like, that's fucking hilarious. But. Again, I think they just could have done it a little more subtly because they're talking about the subtle art of not giving a fuck. But you're clearly sitting there like making some performance, like, you know, some performance there, especially she was wearing the color orange with like bright, iconic orange book that everyone knows the subtle art of not giving a fuck. You know, it's just like all of it was like too much together. But you're so right about Pelosi and ripping the papers. Like that is the kind of moment I live for because it was just like, even if it was planned, like it just was like, it worked with the moment. So even if they planned to do that, like it worked, it just worked. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Okay. I have one more comment on this and then I have one other separate note before we get into this intro. Okay. With this race, it is looking like it's going to be a contentious primary. There have been rumors that Schiff might jump into it. There have been rumors Mm. that Rokana, who we're actually having on the show on Thursday, that he might jump into it. I suspect there's some other hmm, maybes that will actually, you know, will throw their names into the hat and whatnot. I don't know. It wouldn't shock me, but I'm kind of preparing for like a, oh shit, this is going to be a complicated primary moment. And I just hope they all have a meeting and get their shit together and figure out how they're doing this before it all all I begins. Totally agree.
1: Because I'm also curious to see like if Feinstein even like carries out her full term.
0: It's a great I question. I personally think she shouldn't. I agree with um, that as well.
1: But even if she does I'm do not. that, Gavin Newsom will appoint someone and then there'll be an election But so then that will be even an interesting factor of like, then who would Newsom pick. And then from there, that's going to set up whoever he picks with probably they're then going to win just like Alex Padilla did. So all interesting stuff for sure. And
0: and all of those people I just named all big names Mm -hmm. and Dems that are known nationally, like really have a national profile. Totally. So that in and of itself is interesting. And I honestly could see presidential runs from any three of them at some mm. point, or at least presidential run with the idea of being VP as well. Like I, every single one of those people has something absolutely insane happens, has a very long political career ahead of them. So this will be interesting. This will be spicy. I realize I have two more notes. One related to this is we just started a series on our regular Girl on the Gov account, which make sure you're following. And it's called Candidate Watch. We're doing it for 2024. faux show, we're going to highlight, like not with a yes, no, maybe, so in terms of our opinion, but highlight candidates that are announcing their runs and what they're running for. So we had Lucas Kunz, which I always want to say is cunt, and it's not. Oh my God, <laughs> and I honestly, I was thinking about making a TikTok about this, but then I was like, maybe Matthew shouldn't. Is I almost wish it were cunt because then he could just be like, I'm serving cunt. Just saying. <laughs> okay, anyways, we'll remove that one from <laughs> the consulting. Wait, i dead. Oh, no, yeah, you I've know been, what? I've been thinking about that for days, like days. I love um, it so much. It's so good. You so would it,
1: definitely get the girls and the gays with that one.
0: Totally. So yeah, there's that, but he's running for Senate in Missouri. He's running against Josh Holly. We'll see if anyone else throws their hat in the ring too, but he's announced so that's 2024 race and then obviously Katie Poore today. We did put a story up today about twenty twenty three races and candidates. So if there's if you live in a city and you know there's a mayoral race, for example, and you want to know who's starting to put their hat in the ring already has, let us know and we'll do a twenty twenty-three candidate watch though. So that's that. The one other, and I promise, final thing, final thing is that there is a Democratic rep, aka Mark Pokan, that literally wants to make a law bring a bill to the floor regarding making sure that C-SPAN has full access to the floor constantly, like mm. what we just had last week. And I, I need it to come to fruition. We talked mm-hmm. about this yesterday in Top Stories 2, like just the the With Bravo mics. style confessionals, the mics. Yeah, exactly. Like, and honestly, from an American transparency or a voter constituent transparency end, mm-hmm. I think it always like should be televised, i'm fine
1: i honestly thought it was but i guess not so yeah
0: yep so that's the tea on that if that sounds up your alley give him a call or also ask your reps to get on board because i'm sure he's going to need some co-sponsors i don't know if it'll go anywhere because the republicans probably are not fans after this past week but you know you really never know because i did see a tiktok where a girl was fangirling over matt gates so genuinely
1: Mm. anything
0: is possible that was uh, yeah.
1: so, yeah, shocking. Anyways, well, let's get into this, this interview. We have an amazing interview. One of our in-person interviews from our DC trip was coming in hot today. And as an audio snob that I am, mm. it's a little bit echoey. Again, those were our in-person interviews we were trying to work out the kinks for. Um but it's not it's not bad but just just for warning
0: she's just giving you a little you know fyi a little warning label warnings aside today's guest is Tobias Reed he's the treasurer of Oregon naturally we talk all about what his role does and some of the amazing and interesting changes that his office has been able to accomplish for the state of Oregon and also how that's actually become the mirror for a lot of other states and how they work their finances and how they help the residents of their state so you're going to want to tune in you're going to want to take notes you're going to want to send it to a friend and before you forget you're going to want to give us a rate and review because it helps us grow and we'd really appreciate it so xoxo love you bye and without further ado this is treasurer tobias reed great so this is honestly great because we already were chatting earlier and for those that are listening in later you know when this is live they have to know your position is the treasurer of Oregon, the state of Oregon, which I've never been to. Maddie's been to, but there's so much to say about not just Oregon, but the role of treasurer. And so we want to start off by just chatting about what does this role do, and also how did you get into it?
2: Well, there's a lot there. Obviously, I think one of the jokes amongst the state treasurers around the country is that if you've talked to one state treasurer, you've talked to one state treasurer. Uh, there is, you know, a fair amount of variation based on on the state. One of the one of the advantages of a country of United States that has different versions of things. But I think what unites a lot of us is, and treasure ranks, is being kind of a a financial hub for states. Um, In a lot of cases, including ours, we invest the state's portfolio. That's the Probably the largest and most famous part of the job in Oregon, because it's a big deal. We manage about $130 billion on behalf of the state. Yeah, real (laughs) dollars. But it is also, I can easily get overwhelmed if I think about those dollars too much. But what they really represent are are people, because the largest portion of that portfolio is the pension. It's It's the retirement that your elementary school teacher earned or is earning. The firefighter, the public health nurse. So when they're done with their careers, I'm trying to make a better state, they have earned a retirement and our investment dollars are what allow the state to, to make good on that promise. So that's a big part of, of what we do in the, the treasurer's office. We're also responsible for issuing all the debt that the state uses. Sometimes words get thrown around or about bonds. People don't realize what that is. So that, that's basically the state borrowing money from investors <laughs> so they can build a school or uh, construct a bridge and we have to pay that back over time and, and investors or the people who are going to essentially loan that money to the state i want to be sure that it's a good risk so part of our job is to make sure that the, the credit rating of the state or the judgment of investors is strong so that we can make those dollars go far and right. build lots of bridges and build lots of schools so that's a big deal there are a few I other
1: did not know that the bond of the all the bond of it all, of it yeah, all like there. I, you know I'm in california and there's propositions galore on every ballot and yeah. i'm always talking about bonds and i'm like really even is that, but that's, I didn't know that
2: that's a thing where there's like, so they're like private investors that. There are investors of all types, right? Oh, yeah. so, the, so the state in that situation is saying, hey, we're going to, we're going to build this school or road and it doesn't make sense to wait for 50 years to get the cash to do that. Cause then we wouldn't be able to enjoy the benefits of that facility that road or that school. So we can borrow the money and then we can use the school or the bridge or wherever else is and we'll pay it back over time but there's two kinds of bonds basically there's something called a general obligation bond which means we'll pay back you as the as the lender out of our tax dollars but we're not going to be any more specific than that that's one flavor the other is what's called a revenue bond so this works better for the bridge or we could say we're going to take the, the revenue from a gas tax or, or increase the gas tax and devote that specifically to that bond that's called a revenue bond so the, the borrower the lender at that point can say how confident am i in that gas tax revenue okay. as opposed to how complicated am I in taxes in general? Right? So there are mm-hmm. different ways of looking at it. There are advantages and disadvantages.
1: You is there, yeah, every
0: day. a thousand percent. Is there an interest element to bonds, bonds as well? Like, oh, of course. Can you earn interest on that? How does that work? Yeah, no one's going
2: to give us the money for free. You never know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Some people are very generous out there. I yeah. mean, I don't know if it's me, but it's someone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's always interest. The difference is what, What is the, what is the interest for a lot of public purposes like this, that interest is tax exempt. So the person who, or the entity that has bought the bond is not going to pay taxes on that interest if it's a tax exempt bond. And I haven't gone to law school, I don't know if you guys have, but there's there's a whole field of law about what constitutes a tax exempt bond and what is not. There are all kinds of rules about that. that I'm fully, I don't understand <laughs> sufficiently to, to to be very expert in it here. But but yeah, sometimes people will say, I'm more interested in that tax exempt That Some people will say, I want to buy a bond that's supporting something in my state. And you know, that's another element of why they might be interested in a bond. But bonds are really powerful and, and important things. And that's a difference, I suppose, worth noting between a state and federal government. The federal government can can engage in a lot of deficit spending. They, they spend more than they bring in because they can print money. Not true at state level. So we have to balance those things. We can, we can go into debt for these purposes, but, but it's, it's going to be paid back. And
0: what happens when a state goes into debt? Like, what is the remedy for that?
2: We have to pay back. And, and there is... The debt only exists in the form of these bonds, basically. Got it. And so you have to, when, when the budget is out of balance, we have choices. We can increase taxes, we can decrease spending, or we can do some combinations, too. Not unlike most families. <laughs> That's, right. So it's,
0: it's a difference, definitely. It's state level. And is that ever, like, negotiated with legislatures? Like, are you in that conversation being like, hey, we've got this deficit. We need to make up this money. What are you guys going to put on the table yeah. for us to, you know, figure that out?
2: Less in the treasurer's role. Our, our role there is more specifically around the credit rating. So we can say this would be an appropriate level of debt that we could issue without jeopardizing our credit rating. And I try to inject some, some editorial comment into that sometimes. Being a former <laughs> legislator, I have opinions, but I don't have a vote on that. So I'm encouraging legislators typically to, to use debt. You could use debt for any purpose, really, as so long as you can get someone to buy the debt. But I'm always encouraging people that you should not you should not use debt for Short-term, inexpensive things. It should be for big, physical things that last a long time and, yeah. and help yeah. a lot of people. It's buildings. It's you know stuff that's going to last. Totally. Just need a new computer system? Don't don't pay cash for that. No, <laughs> don't, don't issue a, a bond for that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, we talked a tiny, tiny bit about federal government. Yeah. You worked a little bit in U.S. Treasury, right? I did. so. What is that like? And how? Like how does the U.S. Treasury function?
2: It's a long time ago now. It's it's the sort of experience that the longer ago it was, the better it seemed. And that's not a a dig on on it. It's the perfect sort of job for a young person to, to come and learn and get immersed in. I learned a lot, a little bit about a lot of different things to be more specific. I'll remember being pretty frequently amazed at, at how much Treasury does. The U.S. Treasury, the Oregon Treasury too, but, but the U.S. Treasury then, and how well a country of our size manages to function. It's amazing when you think about this: three hundred forty million people, and, and we pretty despite all the things we're unsatisfied but with, we better are pretty pretty good at a lot of things, and I can only imagine what it's like now between. Twenty-one years since I was there. How much more of the U.S. Treasury is is for sure doing. That's pretty.
0: And what is the connection between the U.S. Treasury and treasurers? Is there one? Is there ever you know a phone call that's happening there? What's that dynamic?
2: Sometimes the, the biggest thing, at least in Oregon, again, it's probably different in in other states. There's no there's no money that that comes into Oregon as as a state entity or goes out of Oregon without Oregon Treasury being in in middle. In fact, that's one of the reasons, really one of the things I'm excited about having done as treasurer is we we built a a brand new treasury building, which is the first building Oregon has a platinum rating from the seismic resilience camps. People don't typically think the Oregon is vulnerable to an earthquake, but we are. There's a 40% chance of a nine or greater earthquake in the next 50 years or.
0: Oh my god, I'm canceling my trip that I just promised. No, no, no. You gotta come. <laughs> you
2: gotta come anyway. It's it's we don't know when it's, it's gonna, gonna happen. fair. And people then it's say, simple. well, why is Trojan? Why don't you care sure about Trojans? <laughs> but it's that like we can imagine the earthquake. We're still going to have to pay people. We need the National Guard to help everybody. We got to, right. we got to, I mean, money has to move mm-hmm. around. The recovery effort is going to grind to a halt really quickly if treasury is not there. So this building is fully base isolated, which means it floats and it will move much like us, 18 inches in any direction after the earthquake. It produces more energy than it wow. uses. Battery backups and generators and wells. Oh, We're, We're able to operate after the earthquake and, and proud of being here. The first to do this in State. But we shouldn't shouldn't be the last. So it's another place where where the federal government and, and US Treasury is interact with with state treasury.
1: Yeah. Not a, a stranger to earthquakes either. but that's an interesting thing to tie into treasury. If you were to compare US Treasury or not, sorry, state treasurer with say like a private sector or like corporate mm-hmm. like job for people to kind of like mm-hmm. picture it, is there something that you can compare it to? Yeah, I think
2: I think there is you know a chief investment officer kind of role that, and in fact, the constitution of Oregon says that the treasurer is the chief investment officer. So I don't want people to get the impression that I'm making trades. We we have oh, yeah. another person who has the actual title chief investment officer, you know, and a whole team of investment professionals mm-hmm. who manage the portfolio on a day to day basis. But that that's probably the closest to the private sector, and, and in fact, it's one of the reasons that I like the job so well because I think it's about as close as you can get in. State government to the private sector in Oregon, state judge is a constitutional officer, so that allows us some some freedom and, and flexibility that doesn't always exist elsewhere. Sometimes people will say, "Ah, oh, you work for the government?" No, I don't. Independently elected, and that's that's a measure of freedom. And we're judged on on real numbers. The, the dollar that we earn in investment returns is a dollar that doesn't have to come from elsewhere in the state budget or ultimately for taxes. So everybody's got it a state of success and everyone has a real a tangible way to look at, at how, it, you know, we have, it's the equivalent of, of profits and losses for us to look at what are our investment returns, are, what, are, what are the interest rates we're able to to negotiate when we shoot that. Those are real quantifiable things. And that, that is more similar to the private sector, sector, I think, than a lot other of other places in government.
0: Yeah. With that in mind, is there, you know, in the private sector, there's earnings calls, there's reports that go out, Lots of press releases. Is there something that happens for the treasurer's office that's comparable to that as well?
2: Yeah, we have a regular investment council meeting that, that includes those, those details. We have a website that has has the details on our, on our returns. It's, it's big enough and complicated enough that it's, it's somewhat dated. You know, people often ask you, know, what's the effect of some change on the, on the portfolio? And I have to jokingly say, you mean as of right now or as of right now? Because it's all moving. And then all of the the portfolio's value is based on what the market says. So there's a portion of our portfolio that is in in public equities, and you can look at that directly all the time. There's a portion that's in private markets that doesn't get marked as frequently to market. But all of those things matter, and we keep it as public as we can as fast as we can.
0: Totally. I also want to talk about inflation. Yeah. Because I'm curious. Obviously, all of the news cycle is inflation, inflation, inflation. How does that impact your role? How does that impact the debt there? What's the interaction?
2: Yeah, good question. And a lot in that. I mean, I think the the impact on us can be counterintuitive. It sort of depends on what you're asking. So of course, higher inflation means a typically a better rate that you can get on fixed income or bonds. So so when you when you're investing at its most basic level, you end up choosing between bonds and equities, right? So if you, if you buy the equity, there's a lot more speculation about where it's going to go up put in. down the stocks. If you buy a bond you're, you have, you have an, if you hold it all the way, you have an idea of what you will be paid. You could, you could sell it in between depending on the value. But it's, the idea there is that you're trading additional potential return for risk, lower risk, lower return in the case of bonds, higher risk, potentially higher returns in the case of equity. So if inflation goes up. We can get a better return typically in the bond market for low risk. So that can change how we allocate the, the portfolio. But it, that depends on how confident we are that's going to be persistent. And that's the whole debate about inflation, right? right. Now, right? Is it going to stay there? Is it coming back down? And it's worth remembering that this is not a uniquely American phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind sure. of middle of the pack. If you look at the large industrialized countries around the world, it's, it's a lot higher than it should be. We're in this, in, 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 say, in Oregon, that's true too, but, but um, in the United States, but this is not unique. Look at all the other countries around the world and it's, it's high there too. And there's yeah. not that much that an individual state can do to separate itself from what's going on in the rest of the country, the rest of the world around inflation. So we need to make decisions based on that. And we need to be really cognizant of how that experience is felt by by individual people families, fail this. All of this nerdy stuff I just said doesn't mean anything <laughs> to who's standing in the grocery line or yeah. f- filling up their car. That's more expensive, and that's a problem.
0: Yeah, but one thing that does cross people's minds as they're standing in the grocery store, or maybe they're at CVS awaiting that long receipt to print, oh, way too long, the biggest waste of paper I've ever seen, but has made some good costumes, I will say, if anyone's looking. Right? Oh yeah, for sure. So Eesh, good idea, Lord just me. saying. Okay. However, they are thinking about pensions. And especially a little bit on the older side. And the question young people really have is, what the hell is a pension?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, isn't that sort of a sad commentary that it, it's, it's reality that younger people don't generally know what a pension is because it, not that many people are lucky enough to have one. So a pension is essentially a form of insurance, maybe is a way to say it. So okay. if there's, there's different kinds of pensions and defined benefit and defined okay. contribution. And, you know, the, the one that is advantageous or attractive for an individual person. The worker or employee is a defined benefit plan and in that scenario, what you've done is burned a benefit over the course of your career. So you and take the, the tier three ops or public service retirement plan or in Oregon as an example. So in that case, person gets 1.5% of their final average salary. So you take the last three years or the highest three years of a person's career, 1.5% of that for each year of service as a guaranteed benefit going forward. So if they, if if they work 30 years, they'll burn 45% of that salary going forward. And the risk for that goes with the employer. So the employer has to figure out how to come up with that money. And that's, those are the dollars that we're investing on behalf of 300,000 plus Oregonians. And if we don't, if we don't make enough returns to do that, then the budget and taxpayers have to make that difference. Contrast that with what's known as a defined contribution pension. In that case, that's where the employer, usually the employer, some, that the employee will make a contribution to a fund for the purpose of retirement, but there's no guarantee on it. And the risk is on the, on the employee. So it can, the value of that can go up and down. And depending on when you retire or what happens, you can do really well, or you can really struggle most places, including Oregon. As public employers now have hybrid systems. So there what it describes on the defined contribution or defined benefit is what happens for work, right? And then on top of that, there's a defined contribution portion. Okay. So you get the 1.5% for each year of service. It's a slightly different rate for police and fire. And then, and then percentage of salary that goes into a defined contribution portion. So at the end of your career, if you've done 30 years at that 45%, plus wherever your defined contribution portion has, has ended up. And the problem is that, nationally, about half of people who are working are working for employers who don't have either of those, not any kind of a retirement. Think about people who are working in hospitality or hourly sorts of things. They don't typically have uh, any kind of retirement plans. So that's a real crisis for Oregon. I don't, I don't want to make the mistake going on too long, but we have a solution for this.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, you were telling us about it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Can you explain what Oregon has implemented on the Sprint?
2: Love- we recognize this as a problem because people people don't have an option, if something doesn't change they they face a pretty tough choice when they get to, to the age they might want to retire, they retire in poverty or, or don't retire. And that's, that's not really the choice. So we tried to, to create a, a system that would put people on, on a path to, to having better choices. And what we've said, we're the first state to enact this and a number of other states who are following this now have an opt-out retirement plan or call Oregon saves. And it works like this. If you're, if you're an employer in Oregon and you don't offer your own retirement plan, you're obligated to facilitate Oregon saves. What that means is you then say to your employees, unless you tell me otherwise, 5% of your wages are going into your IRA and employees can change that number. To way high, they could say zero, they could pick what, what works for that. But most people say it's like 70% of people stay in, in this portfolio. And so now we've got around 115,000 people who have funded IRAs and it's $160 million so far that continues to go up and it's putting them in a, in a path that they'll get to make their own decision. And what really is fascinating, exciting to think about it. a person who's you know, starting their career now, who just gets in this habit, right? of saying, yeah, of my income needs is- savings, mm-hmm. they're gonna, going, they're going to be in a position to, to have made choices when they get to that. And the final point on that, I always like to point out to, to conservative friends is that even if your only interest is in small government, you should like this program because it helps people save their own money and they will need less help from taxpayers later.
0: Mm-hmm. That nice. is a
1: oh. great argument. Well, I right. also have a question. When implementing something like that, is that just you as the treasurer being like, "I want to implement this tra- or organ saves program," or is that a piece of legislation? Like, how how does that function as far as like if you want to see something happen? Yeah, do you have to go to legislature? Or... In this
2: case, it's a it's funny to ask that question with respect to organ saves because that was one of the last pieces of legislation I worked on as a legislator, and when I got to switch roles and and implement them, often say that going from the legislature to Treasury was like moving from undergraduate experience to, to graduate school, where the legislature committees are sort of like classes, and you have to figure out what's your major, what's going to be your specialty. Mm-hmm. And Now, the treasury, it's it's narrower and deeper. I don't, sometimes I don't have to have the legislation. And there's another great story, which, which leads to another topic okay, I hope we can, we can talk about around college savings. When I was in the legislature, I tried a few times to pass a bill that would have had the Health authorities send the names and addresses of new parents to the college savings network so they could send them a letter and say, Congratulations on your new baby. Here's how you can save for college. We got fouled up in the legislature for a variety of reasons that don't matter. I got to Treasury and called the health authority executive director and asked her, Could we just do a take sharing agreement and do this? There's a pause. Yeah, we can do that. So now we do that. And it didn't need a bill to do that. So there are differences sometimes when we can do things that just executive action, and that's great. But the big new programs like Oregon Saves generally do require legislation.
0: So thinking about college savings yeah, let's get it. and that whole process, what does that look like in Oregon now with that agreement? And how can, I, I guess, new parents expect that to help them? And when can they sort of cash that out? And how does that work? The whole scheme.
2: Yeah, college savings plans are, I think, one of the super secrets weapons in, in the education world. I don't know if you guys listen to other podcasts. People can listen to other podcasts, too. Yes, it's of course. It's called Planet Money. This is an NPR one. Yeah, I think treasurers have to listen he to it. He
1: on yes. Overcast. They, 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 <laughs> they,
2: they asked the question on a recent episode, the, the nerdiest question I ever put. I thought, I have to answer this. They said, send us a voicemail about what is your favorite section of the IRS code. I mean, who else, who else is going to answer this, right? So I I recorded one and said, I'm a state treasurer, so I do have an answer to this question <laughs> and it's section 529, but that might be, I hope that is the only time you hear me say those, those numbers, because what real person in the real world knows IRS codes? That happens to be the section where college savings plans live. They are sometimes called 529 plans for that reason, but again, nobody uses those words in real life. So the reason I said that was my favorite is because it has such an impact on people's ability and, and desire to go on beyond high school. Any kid who has a college savings plan is three times as likely to go to college and four times as likely to graduate from college. Another so there are a couple of important things about this. That's regardless of how much money is in it. And I don't even like the name college savings plan because it is a diminishing of its power. It's not just four-year institutions where these, these accounts make a difference. It's community colleges, it's trade schools, it's apprenticeships, everywhere. And the, the point of this study which comes from willie elliott and the st louis fed washington university is the message that 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 kid gets it's the expectation it's the knowledge that someone is investing in them and right what better message for us as 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 community as states in this case to say to every poor kid you're capable and you're worthy and we, we believe in you so we have worked really hard to make this available for lots of states have college savings plans ours is I think the best it's and look at Morningstar, we're in that silver, the people who the the two states through gold are lauded for things that we started. So we still hopefully. Who are those states?
0: Or what are those states? I don't
2: remember which two there are.
0: Okay. We won't give them any credit. Yes. (laughs)
2: But, but there are some reasons that, that we're unique too. One of which is a lot of these states have tax deductions for, for contributions and that's fine. But here we're getting really nerdy again. A deduction is only useful if you itemize your deductions. So if you fill out your taxes in the last few years, you probably, just by the numbers, you probably took the standard deduction, which for most people is bigger than if you start itemizing all these things. So that, so a deduction for college savings better than anything for most people. So instead, we went to the legislature and changed it to a refundable credit, which means it's useful to people at every income level. And what that actually means is your tax bill gets smaller or your tax refund gets bigger. Right. Not just the taxable income on which taxes based, really nerdy. I know, but it means, so we've made this even more progressive. So it's dollar for dollar for the lowest income families. So if they could scrape together 300 bucks over the course of the year, dual file, their refund gets 300 bucks bigger or their bill gets 300 bucks smaller. And then they can recycle that, put that 300 back next to you and keep it going all the way through and a few thousand bucks, you know, it's, it's income tax or it's interest at your back pushing you forward and not hold me back. Right. And we've added some other things to try and really get people going. If you open an account for an Oregon-born baby before their first birthday, put 25 bucks in the account, just get them started. Same thing at kindergarten. And that tax credit that I mentioned is not just for the parents, it's for anybody. So go find the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, and, you know, try to make it easy on online. Who wants, who wants another noisy toy for a little kid? I don't, I don't miss those days. So, yes, yeah. give them the stuffed animal order, <laughs> then put, put 20 bucks in the college savings cap at the birthday. Oh,
0: well, yeah. that was going to be one of my questions, is what if the parents are just kind of out of the picture, or, you know, mm-hmm. they're there, but they're not paying attention to this. Mm-hmm. How is zillion things on the plate? Sure. Can the kid get into this? Can It, it would be a account?
2: really special kid who would be okay. thinking about this themselves. But yes, theoretically, okay. the other option is is someone else in their life. Okay. You know, any adult, you can open an account for any, any kid you care about. Then you don't have to be related to the kid. Hmm. So that, that's an important element too. You got, you'll have to get the the kid's social security number, but presumably you could work that out with parent. but yeah, it doesn't have to be the parent. It doesn't even have to. Eventually when they, when they use, they have to have a social security number or a tax identification number, but we also ways that a foundation or another entity could own the account in the meantime. So if there's someone who's not, that can happen too.
0: Got it. What also happens if someone doesn't use the account?
2: Great question very flexible. So it, the, they can transfer to anyone within a first cousin relationship. So the sibling or for the owner, which is typically a parent can use it themselves. And ultimately this is very unusual. You you can take the money out. There's a penalty at, at that point, but, but it's super flexible because I mentioned this earlier, it's not just tuition. It's, it's room and board, it's books. It's anything that is a required cost of attendance. So if you're going to culinary, school, then you have to buy some pots and pans and knives. That's, that's legit too.
0: So it's kind of like an HSA,
2: yeah. Among us,
0: yeah. interesting.
1: Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I have some more like kind of technical questions about
2: so, this. Get yeah, the lightning round, <laughs> something,
1: yeah. We, we've we kind of been like going all over the place, but super so, nerdy policy stuff, but I
2: like it. Yes, please.
1: Yes, well, first of all, our treasurers do they function different state by state? Yeah, some are elected, some are appointed. Is that a
2: Yes, and, and more than that, too. Some states don't have treasurer. They have another, another title for their role. Minnesota, thinks the commissioner. Florida is CF. So sometimes that's the case. Sometimes they're appointed. Sometimes they're elected, but not by people, not by the voters. And you think, well, who would they be? In Maryland, Tennessee, New Hampshire, and maybe some others, they're elected by the legislature. So there's another, there's, there's a bunch of, another difference. There are a few states where the treasurer is a sole fiduciary, which means that the treasurer, her or himself can, can act unilaterally. They don't, they can take and make changes to the portfolio. That's not the case in Oregon. Frankly, I think that's good. We have an investment council, which functions sort of like the legislative branch in our in our treasury world. So I can make certain decisions on how much like a president or a governor does and then other things like the investment council. For it. So mm-hmm. it's a good mix. I like, I like where Oregon is.
1: Yeah. I was gonna ask too, for those that elect their treasurer we kind of talked like there you've mentioned very briefly how republicans might think of how to properly function a treasure less government spending that type of energy Mm -hmm. i'm curious like some more distinctions i guess party-wise between like when you're looking at say if you're you are voting for your state treasurer yeah are there certain things as a voter that you look you can look for or like separate by party like different Kind of attributes that each one prioritizes.
2: Yeah, I do think that. I mean, I think that's that smaller government thing is a, is a is a good distinction. And but people can have viewpoints on that. Like when we when we created Oregon Saves, we didn't get any Republican support in the legislature. Now that's happening in in blue states and red states because I think people are kind of getting message. But it's not always the case initially. Um, I think people have differing ideas about how hard to work on college savings plans, like our effort to be making, to go from a deduction to a credit was very much aimed at the fact people who use college savings plans in Oregon, and I think across the country are not reflective of the population. They're disproportionately affluent white folks from metro areas and all, it doesn't, it doesn't reach everyone. So we're trying to figure out how to do that. And there might be differences in how people think about that, but that's I argue, actually, in most cases, it's sort of short-sighted on, on of course, I, I think my position is right, but the talent, what, you know, talent is distributed equally. It's opportunity that's not. And so I think, my view is that that is part of government's job to try to make sure that everybody has that equal opportunity and methods like this or programs like this can, can play a big role. And so I think that's a, I think that's a hardcore investment kind of position, not, not a social position, like. Go find me is the untapped potential. Let's let's that can also play out right now. A, a example of that is the so ESG debate. Uh, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance factors. It's kind of a overused term to describe how how to, those risks in in investment choices. So, are we accounting for the risk of climate change when we decide how we're going to and there are a bunch of Republican treasurers who are supporting legislation that would ban. And I just think you're happy and a good investor if you're not thinking about all the risks that could play into what kind of returns that you get.
1: Wow. This is Actually, super interesting. Because like, I you
2: say that to all your guests.
1: No, not not so no, aware. no. Yeah. We were also talking <laughs> to your friend who is treasurer in Illinois. Yes, uh, we were all having lunch together and just hearing how this role functions is super interesting. And it's one of those roles in government that is so important to know, but a lot of people aren't aware. That's true. So definitely are excited to highlight it for sure. I a thousand appreciate. percent. And I think
0: the best closing question to that. Is what do you feel like people don't know about this position that they should know about?
2: Well, the easiest and simplest answer to that is that it exists. Um, <laughs> but but I think uh, there's a slightly different question I was thinking you might ask. But but this answer this answer I think applies to both, and it it might sort of be like what was the know, question? Well, sort of what you know session? what 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 do people, what should people think about? Or what's the you know, difference between this role and a lot of others, something like that. Yeah. And I think it is that that not only do we get to, but we have to think about really long run things in this role. If you are a, a day trader, for example, your choices are gonna be really different, but we're investing, I have to think about the, the, the teacher who was just starting her career, you know, a couple months and what she's gonna retire 40 years from now, and then live another 30, 40 years. I got to think about her. And at the same time, I got to think about the teacher who retired 20 years ago. And the like list.
1: children and babies making, opening accounts for. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You've yeah. heard the benefits of that for a long time.
2: That's right. And, and the people who are getting their, you know, their, their retirement accounts started now and then are eight days. So, so much of the rest of our lives, policy wise, individual choices, is it's almost biological. We're wired to think about short-term stuff. We'll respond wow. to crises. We don't, we're not so good biologically think at thinking about 30 years from now. Remember, go back to Washington, I'm sure you watched John Oliver. That's a yeah. you know, relevant uh, reference <laughs> Love. to life. A, f- a couple years ago, they did a, a segment on infrastructure, which was hysterical, because they did it as a a trailer, you know, a thriller movie. They had this guy in a hard hat looking at the, he's under a dam and, and he says, this thing's gonna blow in 30 years and it's that kind of stuff yeah. that we get to and have to think about so we don't we don't i mean we pay attention but we don't want to share all that much about what's happening on this day in this market we're thinking about what's the world going to look like 34 years from that's why we got to pay attention to climate change that's why we got to make sure that people are thinking about how they invest for for education there are lots of routes to success but almost all of them require some kind of training after after high school we have to think about retirement people are going to yeah. live longer they gotta have they gotta yeah so that's probably the kind of a winding way to your to your answer, but treasury is where you can go to think about long run and stuff.
1: That's very good to know. I mean I was telling you earlier, like I in all of any job that I've had I've never been on to you, like do I really need to like do you know, invest in my retirement. That okay, seems so let, like let's, let's have an, a homework assignment <laughs>
2: before, before we go. Homework assignment. Yeah, for, for you two and everyone else who's listening to think about what are they doing for for retirement? What are you saving? The first step, of course, is an emergency account. So if, if something terrible like happens. getting
1: Botox. That's what we're doing to prepare for that piece of <laughs> life.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. No, you got to have some money in the bank so that if, if something terrible think happens. think of it
1: like that. You can think of it like if you're getting Botox mm. preventatively.
2: Prevent. It, <laughs> uh, i'm not i'm not touching that i think the money in the bank is a good idea so you will have some freedom and then soon after that then you're then you're saving for retirement and and your future self will thank you i promise you maybe even more than the botox glitch
1: probably yeah yeah that yeah. makes sense it's the details yeah. but <laughs> thank you so much
2: oh, my pleasure for
1: coming on and answering all of our questions and keep
2: in touch i'm i'm easy to find all the social media stuff yeah what are um, the
1: socials give us uh, read is the easy one
2: the easiest place to find me and I'm figuring out what we're supposed to do if Twitter we shuts down yet. so maybe that'll, that'll
1: TikTok up,
2: yeah come on TikTok I'm I, can, I, I,
1: don't,
2: I don't know if I can handle it uh, <laughs> and so I can only handle so many so many social media things
1: yeah well uh, we're not, not on Twitter them. which yeah honestly, which... honestly it
0: was the best decision we've ever made mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like yeah. feel like just going to live another extra ten years Probably because of it. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> more
2: reason to save
1: Qua- for retirement.
2: Quality of life—that's good.
0: Yeah, a thousand percent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's
0: thank great. you again. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.